Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Be on the lookout and alert for anything out of the ordinary. Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn. Thank you for your cooperation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello, hello, hello. It's Friday. Woohoo! Nearly the weekend, the 8th of December 2023. Oh, I cannot wait. Just an hour, and then uh, I'm going to probably go take it to take a nap. That's how my week's been. I don't know about you, but as I get older, you know, there's no, there's nothing nicer than a nap. When you're younger, you used to look at old, older people and think, what are you talking about? I can't think of anything better than snuggling, snuggling down, uh, especially because it's an inset for me, uh, for my boys today. So this morning has been a bit uh, hectic. Now they're supposed to be out on a walk, but hopefully they won't be interrupting my show, asking for a snack like normal teenagers do. Because uh, I've asked them to to go, but you know what uh, we're, we're like on TNT, we're rather rebellious. So hopefully they'll actually listen to me me and uh, not interrupt halfway through uh so i've got an xmas party uh tomorrow uh so i've got i've got i've got to have my nap and then get get ready and and go out and yeah um it might it might be at, at christmas but uh, it's not really celebrating christmas this is the first time in uh four years we've managed to do it so it was always a, a tradition for me and my friends uh so we go to a posh place because i'm not my, i'm not posh really uh and we get all dressed up and uh we uh dinner dance and get posh photos and stuff taken and uh yeah that tradition had to stop uh we we couldn't do it it didn't happen and uh it yeah it's all happening again on saturday so uh you know i might i might put some uh, photos on 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 twitter of me actually all all uh, dressed up to the nines, uh, but to drink or not to drink, that will be the question. Uh, we'll see if I can get through it. I will update you on Monday. Uh, this is Open Line on TNT Radio. Rick and Gemma are coming up shortly. Uh, more controversial announcements by Leo Varadkar and Helen McEntee. We're used to that at the moment. An update on South African load shedding. This is a good one. A debate about a man fined for peeing. Uh, that'll be a good one. Results of an Ofsted inspection and news of a possible war in South America. We will cover as much as we can. Uh, we have been covering stories over the last week or so about people not wanting to work uh, for a lot, you know, various amounts of reasons. Um, we've been saying a lot of people in the West have become lazy. Uh, they don't want to be part of the rat race. Well, this story caught my eye this morning in the Daily Fail. Um, and I thought you're going to love this. I had to share it with you. It's about a man from Texas, 41. Well, he's been slammed. He's been on a podcast. He's complaining that he has no savings, uh, no job. And he's had to rely on his parents to pay his rent for the last seven years because he refuses point blank to take a job that he believes is beneath him. But don't worry. What's more important is he still has his subscriptions for OnlyFans and Netflix, of course, which he believes is important for his mental health. So maybe that's where we're all going wrong, guys. Uh, we could bring down the government by all moving in with our parents, not paying any taxes and uh, just doing as this uh, Texas man does and uh, just subscribing to Netflix 
and OnlyFans. Maybe that is the way forward, uh, the state of the Western world in 2023, eh? attitudes and behaviours. I am starting to wonder, uh, like, like in that film, Don't Look Up, maybe we do need an asteroid or some type of great reset. Not talking like Carl Schlaub or something, but something completely different. Maybe we just somehow we got to get rid of this insanity because I don't know what the answer is right now. But uh, don't go away. Uh, we got to uh, hear Rick and Gemma's thoughts after this short break here at TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I come to you for facts. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Ah, what do we think? Should we just all subscribe to OnlyFans and Netflix and stop working? Is, is that well, the answer, before, Rick? Before we do, I have a question for you. Who is Carl Schwab? That's what I want to know. Oh, Who I, is Carl Schwab? Oh, did I say the Carl? Con- the, co- the controlled Santa opposition, also known as Natalie Child, now informs that she's going to a <laughs> Christmas party tomorrow. Listen, ah. the Christmas lovers aren't even going to Christmas parties yet, but the alleged Christmas haters are lining up talking about what a wonderful weekend they're going to have celebrating Christmas. So, yeah, you're it's you're, not you're, celebrating uh, Christmas. I'm seeing my disguise. Friends. Your disguise is slipping by the day, or as Gemma rightly said uh, through the week, me thinketh you protest a little bit too much. <laughs> but anyway, Gemma, what do you reckon? Is she controlled opposition for the, the North Pole or what? <laughs> I absolutely think so now. You mentioned Christmas more than anybody else I know, Natalie, and yeah. you, you yeah. pretend to hate it. I think there's secretly some kind of cognitive dissonance going on with you. <laughs> Forget the last three and a half years of cognitive dissonance. You've got your own Christmas dissonance, and we can see through you. We can see through you. Yeah, we see you. I think I think it's you know like some people on Twitter can't you know still talking about COVID and they can't get over it. I think I've had nightmares about Christmas for so many years. It's like ingrained in my head. But there we go. Oh, no, no more. I'm not talking about Christmas anymore today. The last thing I'm saying, Gemma. What story have you got for us this morning? Well, we can't ignore the biggest breaking story here in the UK this morning, and that's the further revelations about the government's plans to uh, deport asylum seekers to Rwanda. It's really lit the touch paper here within the last few hours. There's been lots of comment on it this morning and analysis. Um, And it's because a a leading Home Office uh, minister wrote a letter uh, to the chair of two committees, one of which was the Home Affairs Committee, um, actually revealing uh, that the amount of money that has gone into this scheme now um, it's nearly it's expected to be nearly 300 million uh, to, to with the deportation scheme and yet not one single asylum seeker has got on a plane and put their feet on Rwandan soil in Central Africa which is this whole plan um the chair of the Home Affairs um, Committee has commented on this this morning. She said, we've asked and asked and asked the government to give us the latest figures on the Rwanda deportation scheme uh, because we ministers are expected to debate this next week. Ministers are expected to vote on this next week. And we still have no real clear idea of the amount of taxpayers' money. So that they've, she's forced the Home Office's hand. Um, the, we already knew that the government had given Rwanda 140 million. That was on the record. Uh, but it's this further 100 million that's been revealed, which is a staggering amount. And the projection of 50 million more in 2024 uh, begs the question, where has the money actually gone? Um, now, for anyone who doesn't know about the Rwanda deportation scheme, it's basically to deter asylum seekers coming across the channel in the small boats, which we've discussed at length here on TNT. It's basically saying if you want to come across the channel illegally in small boats, uh, we're likely to detain you, put you on a plane to Central Africa, to Rwanda, where the government there will decide your asylum status and they will deal with you 
accordingly. Now, this was blocked by the Supreme Court, which said it was unlawful because of the potential risk to refugees being deported to Rwanda. Uh, Rishi Sunak and the government are trying to challenge that, and they're arguing that it, actually we're going to make Rwanda a safe place. It will be safe for refugees to go. Uh, so it's a, a huge, a huge amount of money, um, which nobody was aware of. It's just, you know, in the last 18, 24 hours come to light. Um, nobody knows where the money has gone. Uh, it's becoming as a divisive issue in the UK government now as Brexit with splinter groups moving away um, to talk about the report that's coming out, to talk about the bill that's being debated next week. And I wonder rather the letter, the revelations of this letter that have come out now, you kind of have to think, is this a bit of a deliberate attempt by the Home Office to kind of uh, embarrass the government, to uh, scupper Rishi Sunak's chances of re-election next year because it Immigration is such a hot potato and the Rwanda bill, the Rwanda scheme, which was first introduced or discussed by Boris Johnson in 2022, is very, very controversial. So the revelations that have come out this morning, there's a lot surrounding it. And uh, and the story is developing by the hour. It's certainly not going to go away. And it's just a massive political hot potato for the UK government to have to deal with ahead of the debate and the vote, which is happening on this next week. Yeah, what do you make of this one, Rick? Uh, well, you know, the question that's being asked is where is all this money going? Where are these hundreds of millions of pounds going? Or the money that's been, you know, racked up so far, let alone the money that will continue to be uh, spent uh, on this scheme, where is the money going? Well, a lot of it is going to Rwanda because, of course, they're not doing this uh, for the good of their health or they're not doing it for the love of uh, asylum seekers or refugees. Uh, they're obviously getting their palms greased by the British government to allow, you know, however many refugees actually end up going there, if any at all, they have to accommodate them. They have to put them up. Uh, there was talk last year, I can remember when the story first broke, uh, that they were going to uh, provide education schemes. They're going to put them up in uh, very uh, tasty uh, accommodation, like guest houses and B&Bs, much the same as they're getting here in the UK. So that all costs money. And retainers have been paid to allow that to happen. The same thing happens here. Uh, I've seen it happening in Northern Ireland, whereby uh, landlords are actually paid money, Gemma and, and Natalie, to keep houses empty for refugees when they arrive. So they're actually, HMOs or houses of multiple occupation are actually uh, kept empty, waiting for refugees to arrive. So these businesses uh, in Rwanda or these uh, accommodation facilities are probably being paid to close their doors, much the same as the hotels and the guest houses in uh, England and Wales and, and Ireland that were in Scotland that were saying uh, that people are protesting, saying, why is my wedding cancelled? Why can't I book a, a Christmas break there? Sorry, we're block booked, even though the hotel's empty. So I think a lot of the money is going to uh, the government, the Rwandan government. And of course, they'll only be too happy to receive that. And in terms of the safety of the refugees when they get there they keep saying oh don't worry it's safe it's safe my advice is uh, if you're a refugee don't visit the genocide museum in kigali in rwanda because in 1994-95 uh, uh, almost a million people were butchered by machetes within rwanda themselves uh, in, a, in a mass genocidal cull so is it safe uh, could it go back to the way it was Let's just say certain groups in Rwanda don't like people outside of those groups, and if large amounts of them start to arrive, who knows what could happen? It could be a, it could be a, be a massacre, or maybe not. Well, I just wanted to uh, uh, say we haven't covered this story. Uh, uh, I saw it last week. I don't know if you heard of it uh, about three of the Pontins. You know, Pontins is a bit like place mm -hmm. at Haven or Butlin. Three of them closed uh, last week. One of them was Canvasans, and uh, there's a lot of. Uh, uh, 
obviously accommodation there and some people have said they're closing it for asylum seekers so that is one to look out for because uh, obviously it looks like this Rwanda plan isn't going to come into fruition but this is my opinion on it anyway and only mine I, I think uh, this has been a setup right from the start I don't think they ever for one part thought they were ever going to send anybody to Rwanda whether you want to call, call it also money laundering whether uh, you know yeah, money has uh, changed hands between uh, the Rwandan government and the UK government uh, but it, it helps Rwanda uh, it helps the UK government look like they're trying to do something about the solution to the so-called small boat problem uh, when in fact they knew they uh, were never uh, going to solve it because in fact they want the, the, the real solution they want to bring in in the end game is digital ID on top of that which uh, Gemma kind of uh, pointed out as well is I believe they want an early general election I believe at the moment they are trying to make the Tory government look incompetent um, we saw another resignation uh, as well as uh, Suella as well um, it looks to me if these things keep adding up they keep releasing this type of information um, I think in the end an early general election will be called and uh, that's exactly what they want and then it looks like Keir Starmer will come in and there'll be a, a new plans uh, for tackling with this immigration the Rwanda uh, plan will probably be binned all that money spent is a complete insult and uh, we'll maybe see him coming in and actually suggesting uh, the digital IDs possibly but we'll see that's just my prediction anyway Gemma. I think that you make a very good point there. It was never destined to work. And you, you, you've you illustrated that very well. And one of the reasons it was never destined to work is that when this scheme was first announced, um, it was it was revealed that the facility that the Rwandan government wanted to put asylum seekers in could only take 200, 200, you know, and, that, and there was a lot of debate about that, you know, and, and this week, uh, spokesman for the Rwandan government, she has been talking about this, uh, you know, the Rwandan government are very aware what a hot potato this is. And so she has commented and she has said on statement, oh, no, no, we can take we can take a lot more than 200. That was just one facility. And when pressed significantly to say, well, how many then? couldn't commit couldn't commit to any figures you know 201 202 you know how many so there was obviously no plan for large-scale housing of immigrants and just passing the cost and the problem over to another country it was never destined to work the trouble is of course as we are often saying and we're saying it far too often on tnt and it doesn't just apply to the uk but it's our money it's our money yes, it that's is. taxpayers' money. It's nearly 300 million, if, if the 50, not further 50 million gets granted, of our money when we have a poverty crisis, we have our own housing crisis for UK people, and this money is just being given over to a Central African country, which, as you rightly say, Rick, has a terrible history of human rights and genocide. I myself have travelled in Central Africa and spent a lot of time in Burundi not long after the civil mm -hmm. war in that part of the world. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's not safe, but it doesn't really matter because nobody was ever destined to go there and I think your analysis Natalie of the situation of, of an incompetent British government wasting taxpayers money let's have an all change and let's have somebody who'll play the globalist game with digital ID I think you're bang on the money with that
Yeah. It's also and worth noting as well, uh, you about the point about, uh, you know, the Rwandese people. Uh, Rwandese people aren't like the UK people. Uh, they won't take to social media and complain that there's people coming in from another country and being housed while their people are sleeping on the streets and poor. That's when the pangas come out. That's when the machetes come out. That's one of the reasons why there was a massive genocide in there in that country. In the first place, one group perceiving a threat from another group. So do you actually think the people of Rwanda who are living in abject poverty will accept uh, hundreds, if not thousands potentially of people being sent to their country and put up in, in, in decent accommodation and being fed and educated while their kids are starving and, and going without school and not having meals. They won't take it. Uh, they won't have any of it. So that's if it happens. Uh, and if it does happen, uh, Jock in the chat said uh, they could be setting up for a Nakba type event, uh, Palestine, uh, Israel type event in the, in Central to Eastern Africa. And you have to ask the question too, just as we're out of time, think about it now. Why Rwanda? Why Rwanda of all places? Why not Egypt? Why not uh, Algeria? Why not somewhere in the northern coast of Africa? Why Rwanda? Why slap bang in the middle uh, of uh, Africa, uh, just uh, between DRC and uh, Burundi? So yeah, questions need to be asked as to why that place in particular, rather than somewhere else. And of course, uh, before we finish, uh, that they did say that the money that the British government were give, giving to Rwanda was supposed to then uh, go to the Rwandan people. But as we know, uh, in many African leaderships, uh, I don't think for a chance that any of the African pe uh, people in Rwanda would have seen that money. So that's where the human rights issue actually comes into play. So thank you, Gemma, for bringing us that breaking story. Uh, we will see you on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. And we have got lots more to cover now at TNT Radio. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to TNTradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. TNT. Yeah, we are live. We are unedited. We are uncensored. And we are TNT Radio. Uh, I thought it's Friday. Uh, we're lighting the tone just a bit. We'll start with this story. Oh, dearie, dearie me. A motorist was fined £88 for littering when he was caught weeing in a lay-by. Uh, he's luckily got his penalty overturned. Uh, but the reason I thought I'd bring this story is 
really have the police or the local council not got anything better to do i want to know on the online chat right who hasn't in their lifetime i'm 41 years old i don't think there is one person that has never had a pee in a bush or had a pee in a lay-by or got caught short and needed to pee somewhere in nature in their lifetime and is it considered littering because there's a lawyer uh, who says a special monitoring lawyer said how can the council define this as littering anyway way uh <laughs> urination isn't like throwing throwing your uh, old crisp packets or your old fag packets away are they uh but yeah he was able to provide a 30 pound gp letter saying he's got prostate cancer and uh because of that and obviously uh with that condition you need to pee more they were able to overturn the penalty and he doesn't have to pay it but regardless of whether he's got it or not do you agree with that have they not got anything better to do, Rick, than start giving out fines for people paying? No, but here's the thing too, you know, he was charged with littering. So what happened when he got caught? <laughs> Did they tell him to go back and lift his litter and put it somewhere else? You know, you can't exactly lift it up and put it in a bin, can you? And as far as the, the doctor's letter, the doctor's letter for a dodgy prostate, listen, you don't need to have a dodgy prostate to, to really need to pee in a public place. If your bladder is full to bursting capacity, it doesn't matter whether your prostate's functioning or not. You have to empty it somewhere. So what's the alternative? What's he supposed to do? Urinate in his pants? Um, uh, and, until he gets back home or pee in the car floor or what? I, I don't know, Natalie. And let me tell you this, there's people uh, at the minute uh, in the UK, certain people have arrived in the country, let's just say, that do a lot more than urinate in laybys. They're doing more than urinate in the main streets of our towns and cities, especially in Dublin at the minute. Some of the horror videos that I've seen posted, people are relieving themselves in public places is absolutely unreal. And of course, yeah. this poor chap, uh, not only uh, has he uh, been fined and have to go through the, the shame and horror of going to his doctor getting a letter now we're talking about his bladder his weak bladder uh on uh live <laughs> live radio to, if you're listening in sir whoever you are wherever you are of course or any listeners out there that are feeling a little bit mortified as michael mason said, 69 michael mason yeah let's give him a name let's make him famous keith best got it earlier this year now it's <laughs> going to be michael mason michael don't be ashamed as natalie has rightly said who has not been cut short somewhere along the line during the course of their lives and uh you know went behind a, a bus shelter or behind a bush somewhere to relieve themselves you know what's the alternative you can't wet yeah. yourself you have Look, to do something and as and, long as and, by and the in way, this yeah you need to be a little bit uh how would you say subtle when you do this so now if Absolutely. he was standing if he was standing in a lay-by, uh, you know, uh, you know, saluting the cars that were going past with a spray of urine, well, then I could understand him being <laughs> yeah. fine. But if he nipped in behind the car in some bushes, no one could see him. You know, give the man. Well, a that's, Come on, yeah, so that's exactly exactly what he's done. He was being discreet. He's actually gone into the lay-by into a bush. And, and I, this story is unbelievable. But a district enforcement officer working on behalf of the council was present at the time, and he tapped him on the shoulder. Like, oh no just, <laughs> that's terrible do you know what would have been even funnier if the guy had been shocked and turned around quickly to see the enforcement officer and give him a jet of you know what up and down <laughs> his little enforcement uniform maybe that's what he wanted maybe that's what he wanted and he was disappointed that he didn't get it so we find him instead that's a and and don't time. you know and don't get me wrong we have seen these horrendous videos particularly a lot in yeah. Ireland of people you know uh, uh you know disgusting videos of people possibly on drugs or something actually you know 
excreting in the middle of the high street or um you know uh, a walking naked down the high street or something those are completely different incidents we're not talking about those here this man was literally in a car pulled over into the bushes in a lay-by and been fined i mean really uh we've got some uh, stories here in the online chat lisa said i peed on my way home from the pub many moons ago and i stung my bum on stinging nettles i had then <laughs> had to find a dock leaf in the dark oh dear um i ha- i was in uh, the lockdown protests and um uh in london uh, in the original ones and the and the queue for the women's uh loos were about 45 minutes and i was desperate so i just ran behind the bush in the whole in, in a whole line of hundreds of people and uh squatted and peed uh but i, I was behind bushes people okay um but you know i miss it i could have got an 88 pound fine too uh but there you go it happens I, um, i'm more i'm more concerned <clears throat> to be honest with you about the guy who issued the fine because listen put yourself into this guy's position if you saw a man urinating in public and you were an enforcement officer would you not at least clear your throat and say excuse me sir what are you doing or would you creepily <laughs> creep right up behind him uh, to within arm's length and tap him on the shoulder to me <laughs> i think they should be investigating the enforcement officer and not the guy who was uh doing his number one <laughs> behind the bush you know and plus it's good for the soil by the way it's very good for the soil you're adding a lot of you know nitrogen back into the soil again the guy should have actually been compensated for this not fine but anyway yeah what uh, I was going to say it's a real piss take this story, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs> and uh, to end it before we go to the headlines, in future, he has been asked to carry a receptacle in his vehicle in case he needs to urinate when potty. he's driving. Bring his potty with him. Unbelievable. <laughs> So that's that's where we are. The state of the UK. We're getting fined for peeing, and soon we need to carry nappies or potties in our car in case we can't make it. Oh dear, two thousand and three. This is a real story, too. Right, we've got to take a break for the headlines, and uh, when we come back, lots more to cover here at TNT Radio. Newsflash. Now. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Hunter Biden has been indicted on felony tax crimes. The first son accused of splashing millions of dollars on his lavish lifestyle rather than paying his taxes. Radio host Alex Jones has dropped a bombshell claiming President Joe Biden's cognition has deteriorated to a point where the Commander-in-Chief is now walking around the White House naked, not knowing who he is. And a date has been set for Russia's presidential election, with voters to head to the polls in just 14 weeks' time. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. Are we back? Yeah, we are. Oh, I've been laughing too much at the comments in the online chat. Uh, just a bloke who asked questions says, Willie? Want all the attention this is bringing? And Lisa said a golden shower. Um, Spyro Gyro says, I didn't know this. Peeing on your compost is apparently recommended by gardeners. Is that true? 
Oh, I it didn't is, even yeah, know it's that. good for the soil. Wow. It adds like a like it's like a fertilizer, like nitrogen back into the soil again. It's actually wow. good for your soil. Look, so we should do it more it. often. I'm learning. I'm learning this morning on TNT Radio. This is what it's all about. Uh, but another story we've got to cover here. This one is really, really local to me, but it made uh, mainstream headlines and it has been all week uh, this inquiry this was about uh, the head teacher Ruth Perry of Cavisham Primary School um, and she took her life um, after an Ofsted inspection she couldn't even stand to hear the result um, and she sadly um, took you know she committed suicide now I didn't realize my son said this morning he actually knows both her daughters because they went they, they were um, at school with him so it's re- really close to home this one uh so in terms of my local community so many people know her she was um you know so well thought of she was head teacher there for a long long time and to give a bit of a background on the story uh Cavisham primary had it was the best primary school in the area for such a long time the pressure that was on her it had been considered outstanding for, I don't know, probably for it was 11 years at least, but 20 years or something. Uh, of course, they came in. Uh, Ofsted were absolutely horrific. There was only one incident, okay, that there, there was apparently a supposed safeguarding issue that they deemed in the playground with some kids playing that they saw as bullying. And that one incident alone took it down uh, from outstanding to inadequate, even though the rest of the school had no problems. But because of that one problem, um, uh, that's what happened. But they have now had the official inquest into her death and uh, this Ofsted um, investigation. And they the coroner's verdict is Uh, It's recorded a suicide contributed by an Ofsped inspection carried out in November 2022. It's the very first time Ofsted has been listed as a contributing factor in the death of a head teacher. And I've got a quote here uh, from the family. Today, the coroner's conclusions validate what our family has known for a long time, that Ruth took her life as the direct result of the process, outcome and consequences of an Ofsted inspection of the school she led and loved, Cavisham Primary School. Uh, The inquest has shown the brutal inhumanity of the system of Ofsted inspections. Ofsted likes to judge people with single word labels. We could judge the current Ofsted system with our own labels, callous, perverse and inhumane. Um, which I, I I kind of agree with. I mean, I just think there's one thing going to make sure that schools are doing the right thing. There's a different thing to come in basically authoritarian and uh, destroy uh, the value and the confidence of any teachers and head teachers in the process, Rick. Yeah, and the other thing is too, Natalie, um, it's it's incredible that they've actually included the fact that they've actually named Ofsted as a contributing factor to this lady's suicide. Yeah. Now, I, I do think, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, some people, and we don't know what goes on inside anybody's head, um, I would say this lady had probably other issues going on there. Uh, this definitely was a contributing factor. That's actually been officially um, acknowledged right now. Some people take their jobs incredibly seriously some people put everything they have into things okay and then if they do get negative feedback or they do get some criticism or something that they've spent a very very long time building up uh, gets attacked or or, uh, denigrated like it was in this case by Ofsted that could be the straw that breaks the camel's back or it could be the last straw for very very many people and it could be what pushed this lady Uh, over the edge the final thing that pushed this lady over the edge so you have to ask yourself a question what will now happen to Ofsted because 
when my daughter uh, was at school and they had all the lockdowns and it was seriously uh, denting their education and their mental health, uh, whenever they decided to reopen the schools with the one-way systems and the masks and all the nonsense, the bubbles and you can't talk, we didn't send our daughter back. We just said, look, we're going to we're gonna educate her from this point on. And when we talked to the welfare people about that, they said, okay, we'll make a note down. She's absent due to COVID. I says, no, you make an official note on her school record. She is absent due to governmental policy. It's got nothing to yes. do with COVID. It's to do with the government. The government are responsible for my child's absence for school. And that was officially noted on my daughter's school records. The welfare people then stayed the hell away from us because we had made it official. We wanted to acknowledge that the government are responsible for her absence, not the parents, not my daughter, not some Mickey Mouse disease, but the government, and that's actually went what went down in her records too. So you have to be firm and you have to chase these people where you can and make it official, get it down on paper. And I hope that this lady's uh, family will be able to pursue some kind of, I don't know, a prosecution. Is it even possible to do that? Or some kind of a compensation from the government because they contributed to this lady's death. It's official. It's disgusting. And uh, what a loss. Uh, sounds like a great teacher, which there are very, well, not very few of, but, I mean, you know, they're <clears throat> becoming harder to come back. I, I've covered this. Uh, I've read about it as it's gone through. They actually didn't get legal aid. So they had to get £50,000 from the local community just to stand up for themselves, uh, which which was covered. Um, it shouldn't cause a death to need changes in Ofsted, but Ofsted have made a statement and said lessons now need to be learned. Um, we are going to be changing some of the inspections. One of the things that they said is that during uh, when she realised that it wasn't going right, um, Ruth Perry got visibly anxious and upset, was in tears. They said there was no place in the uh, whole of the kind of process uh, to stop the inspection at that point. What should have happened when the head teacher was that upset? And this would be Ruth Perry or anybody else. It should be to stop, to calm everybody down. But instead, they decided to carry on going. So apparently she was absolutely hysterical. One of the things that her sister had said is, uh, which I know because I literally live around this area, the house prices are mega, mega around Kevisham Primary School because it is the most, it's the school you have to go to. And she felt an incredible pressure not just on the uh tip the kind of pupils but she felt she was letting down the community and the prices of the houses she felt a, a great responsibility that this one decision would affect so many people and she couldn't live with the consequences of what had happened and what's even worse after that because of this they had another offsted inspection and it was downgraded uh or upgraded so it went from inadequate to uh out standard to inadequate and now it's gone back to good so it should never have even had so so literally her death was completely and utterly unnecessary in every mm. single way so it, a death should never take this but Ofsted was not fit for purpose and I can only only hope that moving forward those inspectors now will think of Ruth Perry if any of those teachers get distressed um, or, or there are any problems and, and let's hope this never has to happen to anybody else right Indeed, indeed. And yeah, uh, good teachers, like look at our own Darren Denslow. He's another perfect example. He was effectively driven out of the profession that he spent five years getting the best qualification that he could get in chemistry, working really closely with the, uh, the kids that uh, that were allocated to him. And because of nonsense and because of wokery, uh, he, had to, he had to quit his job as well. So the good ones uh, are sadly are being driven out of the profession or certainly they're being strangled, not like, and becoming very, very disillusioned, uh, which is sad because there's nothing uh, 
better for a kid growing up than a teacher that they can actually look up to and yep. respect and actually and, learn something from and take it and, into the rest of their life. And this woman, she was a wonderful head teacher and a wonderful mm -hmm. teacher. And, and that's from and lots and lots of people have been to that school. So a very, very sad loss all around for everyone. Uh, a, a story I wanted to highlight. Um, as we said, we can become blinkered in, in, in this country. Yeah, particularly the mainstream media, they cover the stories you only want to see. Um, I didn't even really know about this till I read about it yesterday. Uh, the US is offering Ghanaia unwavering support in dispute with Venezuela over, guess what, oil-rich territory. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of land. It's called Esquibo, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. uh, but suddenly, once they've realised this piece of land, which is at the moment uh, belongs to Ghanaia, uh, Venezuela now wants to go to war, essentially, because they're saying, hold on a minute, this has got loads of resources. This is absolutely full of oil. This is worth going to war over. Uh, so just as we're seeing uh, war in other countries, it, it is absolutely looking there at like they're on the brink of con uh, conflict. The US, no surprise, have uh, come in. They always seem to come in when there's oil involved. They're backing Ghanaia. Uh, Brazil look like they're backing Venezuela. Uh, but it's important to bring this to people's attention because otherwise people just don't hear about these things, do they, Rick? It's, 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 you, you'll hear about I'm a celebrity and Meghan Markle and, and uh, uh, these other stories, but um, the stuff that's across uh, the globe often gets ignored. It, it does. And, you know, that old adage, follow the money, it certainly applies when it comes to, you know, you scratch your head. Why does he, why has he changed all of a sudden? Why has she changed all of a sudden? They say, well, you should follow the money. When it comes to wars, Natalie, and when it comes to conflicts across the world, uh, you should say, follow the resources and follow the strategic positioning of military bases. So when you look at why America, for example, is very friendly with some really obscure countries, you have to ask yourself a question. Is it a strategic place that they could build a military base or an Air Force base, for example? or in this case Venezuela this piece of land apparently has been uh, you know fought over or debated or they've been uh, squabbling about it for you know over a hundred years now why all of a sudden has it become prominent because they can see the value in it in natural resources there's a a destitute province of Kenya in the northwest corner called Turkana province. It's basically just dust and thorns. There's nothing there. And for a long time, the Kenyan government completely abandoned it. But then an Irish oil company called Tullo Oil struck oil in Turkana province. And now all of a sudden, uh, the Kenyan government wants to bring it back into the family again and invest into the infrastructure and invest with the Turkana people. It's only because an Irish oil company uh, has actually struck oil there. So yeah, follow the resources. Uh, when it comes to war and follow the money when it comes to people doing questionable actions in politics or in, uh, you know, under the spotlight of the mainstream media, I think are the two adages. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was the discovery of valuable raw materials that put Ghanaia on the world map. And, mm. and suddenly the uh, kind of prime minister, I think it is, of Venezuela, is uh, aims to create a new state that would encompass this uh, 62 uh, square mile area of Escobo, a region that comprises two thirds of Ghanaian territory. The region is rich with minerals from the river and located near massive oil and gas deposits. So uh, we'll keep you updated on that one, but it could be yet another conflict around the world. It just seems one after the other after the other. And who profits? Um, it will always be the arms dealers. It will always be uh, uh, rich, uh, rich 
billionaires and uh, the people that will suffer are those on the ground as usual the uh the, the peasants if you like and the masters uh keep on profiting uh we've got to take a quick break and when we come back we've got stories uh, about leo Varadkar and helen mcintyre on tnt radio de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective william f buckley who was a great conservative and a great catholic philosopher once said a lot of the problems with the church came from the popes because there were a lot of popes that had one foot in the city of man, one foot in the city of God. There's no greater example than the current pope. It is absolutely astounding that he's saying what he's saying about climate. It's the height of ignorance. Climate is not out of control. And as a matter of fact, if it was out of control, there's nothing man can do about it. This whole thing is a scam. And what is fascinating about the situation is he doesn't even seem to look at who he's in bed with with this. A lot of these people are sectarians. They don't have any appeal to a higher authority except for themselves as a higher authority. And they're out to play God. And he's actually putting himself in bed with that. And you want to know something? If you want to be the spiritual leader of 1.2 billion Catholics, you want to get involved in politics, and that's exactly what climate is, politics. You've got one foot in the city of man, one foot in the city of God. Not only does it rip you up, but it's going to rip your followers up. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days. They haven't drank anything. They're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud. Just absolutely mud. You know, the country has been long for drought so long. It was like a tinderbox waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution. And we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Uh, okay. And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. The conversation continues with Rick Munn and Natalie Cheel on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Oh, welcome back. Oh, I love the online chat. It's my favourite part of the show. Wouldn't be the same without you. And uh, just reading out some comments in there. Uh, normally I get told I've got an awful dirty laugh, especially when I'm down the pub having a drink. Uh, but Mazzy uh, says, uh, great chuckle, Natalie. Uh, Lisa says, lovely to hear you laugh. It's good for the soul. And Natalie's laugh mm. is contagious, Nige says. And uh, just a bloke who asks questions says, 100% Lisa, Nat and Rick's hearty laughter and their broadcast are the highlight of my day. Well, that has made my day as well. So thank you so much for all your kind comments uh, in the online chat. We really, truly do appreciate it. Uh, this story, what we've got to bring you now. I'm getting to a point now where I don't know if these stories are parody or if they're true or if they're... I have to check and see if uh, that someone's taking the mick. 
they're going to have a referendum. I mean, to me, if you have a referendum in a country, uh, this one's in Ireland, uh, good old Leo Varadka, uh, you know, coming the really important matters in Ireland, um, it's got to be of something of great importance, you know, something that really makes a difference to the people. On March the 8th, on International Women's Day, they are having a referendum, from what I can see, about um, the what basically is about the term of women um, and changing the constitution about what it means. They, it says the constitution will be to change to expand, to expand the meaning of families and include not just families with married couples, but those founded on durable relationships. Equalities Minister Roderick O'Gorman said the archaic and sexist reference to women's place in the home had nothing good for the women in this country. This referendum is going to cost eight million to 12 million euros for what a change of a term I'm, i i can't uh, for me this is crazy rick I, I, if i was in ireland i'd be absolutely disgusted that that money was spent on on asking the public uh, uh about basically the term of what it means to be a woman especially coming and by from the way they party. haven't they haven't even defined that either yeah, and, and also it's coming from a, a gay man, okay? So there's a gay man pushing uh, what a woman is. And or in fact, not what a woman is because they can't actually define what a woman is. I'm not knocking gay people, by the way, but I don't believe that men are in any position to authoritatively speak to women about what they should and shouldn't do or where they should or should not belong. You know, is that not in and of itself, you know, as patronizing as it actually it gets. And then for Roderick O'Gorman, uh, for Roderick O'Gorman to come out and say, you know, it's not good that women think their places in the home and that they should be full-time mothers. Maybe for some women, that's all they want to do. Be. Maybe they don't want to go into the workplace. Maybe they don't want to be stuck in a train all day working 40 hours a week to pay for childminders to look after their kids. Maybe if they could, they would be more than happy to be at home looking after their kids. Or maybe they wouldn't. But is it not about choice? It's not like we're the government getting off telling Irish women that it's detrimental for them to be, you know, not career focused on uh, more family centric and more time in the home rather than more time in the office. For some women, that sounds like hell being at home all the time with the kids. For yeah. other women, it sounds like hell leaving the kids and going to work to pay other people to look after them. So, again, government interference and driven really by men here, Roderick O'Gorman and Leo Varadkar pushing the public, uh, you know, about what a family is, uh, what a family is not, uh, what 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 a woman is, what a woman is not, where the woman should be, where the woman should not be. Why not just leave people the hell alone and let them decide uh, where they want to be? If it's at home, let them stay at home. That applies to men as well, by the way. And if it's at work, let them go to work. Why does the government have to get involved and throw a bloody referendum out at this at vast expense to the taxpayer? I've I've never heard of such a ridiculous referendum in my life. I mean, if it was a referendum on on uh, should we close the borders, right? And, and and that was put out to Ireland. I think that most Irish citizens would be happy to go and vote in this referendum. I expect the turnout will be pretty rubbish. Um, I think it's a complete and a waste of money. And I've got a real issue, um, as you said, um, and it tends to be men, I've got to say. Um, mm -hmm. I remember um, um, one of my discussions with Dee Dee Denslow. Um, he would often say, I want to go back to when women, I want it more traditional where women were in the house. And I said to him, and I would say to him, excuse me, but you've never got no right to tell us uh, with, with all due respect. And in the same way, uh, that's what I'm saying here. 
there are some women that think nothing more and they want to live that life. They want to mm-hmm. get married and they want to have children and they want to be at home. Good for them. And there are yes. women that want to have a high career. Good for them. Do you know what I advocate? Freedom of choice. We live in 2023. And, you know, uh, uh, I think Nige just said in the online chat um, that they want to get rid of the family unit. You know, I, I, that I do think that's part of the problem. But people should also have the choice. I um, have always been different. Um, I've diagnosed with autism. I struggle to fit into these kind of like uh the ideas of what a, uh, a, a traditional woman should be. I'm not that person. Um, I'm, I've always, uh, I've always been more of a tomboy. Um, I, 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 I've struggled to fit in this idea of this perfect family unit. I hated being a stay-at-home mum. It destroyed my mental health as a person. So you know what? Let people be who they want to be. Stop putting labels on us. You know, isn't that the idea of freedom of choice, freedom of speech? Uh, let women be women. Let them decide. Look, stop these men telling us what we should and shouldn't be doing um, and that applies by the way this isn't to women i'm not going to tell a man what he wants to do you want to go work on a building site go work on a building site you want to be gay be gay you want to you want to you know not work and stay at home and uh watch netflix and uh go on you want to be gay and stay at home then you can be gay and yeah, stay at home if stay you want home. or be gay and work do in a building what? site damn it do what you like yeah, do what you right? want face the consequences of your own actions and take personal responsibilities stop putting labels on people stop being victims i'm just fed up with it all just you know freedom of choice you know do what you want to do and stop letting government tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing that's me around why why don't you just tell us how you really feel this time natalie come on let's do that again with some passion and some emotion yeah understandably so and there's an there's actually a very good point brought up in this one i think you would agree with this one it it talks about expanding the meanings of families and includes not just families with married couples but those founded on durable relationships now this is another uh, contentious point because you could be in a, a a family in inverted commas with a married mother and father in inverted commas, but yet your life could be a living hell. Uh, would it not be better to be with one parent who actually loves you than two parents that are constantly denigrating you, putting you down, maybe physically, mentally, or sexually abusing you? That is the case also. So it's also painting the picture here that the traditional family of the mother, the, 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 the father, they're married, they've got 2.4 children, is this idyllic norm that people should be moving towards. And in an ideal world, listen, in an ideal world, that would be the case, but this is not an ideal world. There's a lot of scumbags out there who should never be parents or should never uh, have fathered or mothered children and have caused no end of damage as a parent within the so-called family unit. So this um, idealism of the family, certainly it's something that we could be, you know, aiming for, aspiring towards. Wouldn't it be wonderful? But this is not the Waltons, not like this is a real world. This is planet Earth as per 2023. And unfortunately, a lot of people are growing up in families with mommy and daddy, but their their children, the children's lives is uh, abject and- hell. I think this is my argument as well about, you know, like the Daily Wire conservatives and and, and some people who have in the freedom movement, they've kind of gone backwards a little bit. They want to believe that the older times were great. Well, in a lot of older times, there were a lot of sexual abuse happening in families, a lot of abuse that didn't get, you know, that get swept under the carpet. I'm watching a lot of Emma Emma Kenny on uh, Facebook videos. And I tell you what, uh, so many awful crimes. uh, uh, They just don't even make the papers. And so 
so many of them are crimes in their own in the own households in families so yes in an idle world we all want a mum and a dad and yeah. a perfect idle family but that doesn't exist i come from an abusively uh abusive uh emotionally and psychological household that that i don't speak to my parents and you know i would have much rather uh lived in a single parent household who with love and security so you know it, I, I I just don't think that uh, I don't want to be told whether it's by my government how to live as a person, as a family, as anything. Let's make those decisions for ourselves. We learn by making mistakes. Maybe, maybe you know, some people go into a marriage and it's not right. What are you forcing them? Are you going to force them if they're getting beaten the crap out of? Or you should stay in that because you have to stay in a family. Is that what they're also saying? Yeah, I, I just it, it makes me feel very very uncomfortable. And to have a referendum and waste all that money I'm, I'm i'm quite disgusted rick uh, and and also uh i suppose maybe to, to put a, a bookend on this one too how how much has pressure societal pressure contributed to people uh remaining in hateful yes. abusive relationships uh that have been bad for them maybe bad for the kids as well but because of the fear of stigma uh, uh okay yeah. i'm i'm divorced or i'm a single mother i'm a single father uh, my mom and dad got divorced you know how much of that has contributed to you and sometimes listen uh, it is for the best that people go their separate ways uh, because to stay together in yes. you know uh, physically mentally spiritually emotionally financially sexually abusive relationships is infinitely worse than splitting up and again the pressure's being put on here okay this is the ideal that we're looking at uh, and if you deviate away from that somehow then you failed you failed as a parent you failed as a mother you failed as a father you failed as a husband you failed as a wife you failed as a child for not keeping mommy and daddy together I think it just puts a lot of pressure on people you'll know in your heart it, if what you're in is right or wrong for you and I mean it, it should be evident if it's positive or negative or abusive or not and then you does. should take action accordingly and then you get all the problems that we've discussed you become the black sheep of the family you then get to get all those kind of programming of i'm not enough i'm not worthy uh you struggle then uh, a lot of people turn to drink and drugs dysfunction it goes on and on and on generations uh of dysfunction that's not what we want we want people to love themselves as they are we want to get to the root of these problems if we want a better world we want people healed we want people recovered not people who are forced to stay in family units because the government are telling us it's ideal you know freedom of choice is what we're looking for uh so uh quickly before uh we have to go to the news it's just uh, uh to the end of the uh, show it's worth just pointing out that helen mcintyre is now saying that they're going to try and uh, get special flights to deport people out of uh ireland but to me this is no different to the rwanda plan uh i think this is just a uh, uh, another uh kind of announcement that they're trying to to use to cover up their own mess but i can't see it happening uh much like rwanda she's just making claims that probably won't ever happen well what's happening is you know again everyone's moving at the same time uh, all of a sudden Ireland has become full, the Irish government are saying now, there's nowhere to put people. All of a sudden, Rishi Sunak has said, we've got to stop this problem immediately because uh, Britain can't take any more uh, illegal immigration. Stuff that we've been saying now, everyone's been saying now for years. All of a sudden, these governments are now U-turning at the same time. And as they're talking about the Uganda, or sorry, the Rwanda uh, deportation scheme for illegal immigrants in the UK, all of a sudden now, Helen McEntee is starting to put out tenders 
for chartered flights to get rid of people from out of Ireland come the new year. But the question is, again, where will they go? Has she got somewhere lined up? Here's a prediction. Watch out for a country being named by Ireland over the next few weeks that they will have as their own personal Rwanda or it could even be Rwanda as well. They could maybe gear, gearing them up to accept Irish and English refugees. And then what could possibly go wrong when they all get together in Rwanda? Because if you remember rightly, Italy had named a country. And I can't yep. remember what country it was that they were planning. So it's it's happening in mm. lockstep again. So before we go, it was 5,122 deportation orders had been issued, but only 822 had actually left Ireland. That's where we're sitting. So even when they asked them to leave the country, they're still staying in the country at the moment. Uh, that's the sad state of affairs we're in. But it is Friday. It is the weekend. It is. I might have a quick nap and I'm going to take my kids out for lunch and I'm going to go and have fun. Carry on. Listen to Rick at Locked and Loaded. But please go out there. It's the weekend. Have fun. Try not to listen to too much of the news or get on social media. But keep listening to TNT Radio, of course, because, uh, yeah, they'll keep you up to date. That's all you need to know. Uh, I've been uh, Natalie Chill. This is Open Line on TNT Radio. Have a great weekend and go and have fun. Bye. Bye. <laughs>